0: Good morning. Hello. How is everyone this morning? I'm going to take my ear out so I can hear you respond. There it is. Good morning. (laughs) Hi, Julie. Well, welcome. We are glad to see everyone this morning. And guess what? He is still risen. Yeah, there we go. And it's exciting. And I am just so thankful that we have a Savior that has conquered it all. Amen? Amen. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to begin our time of worship together. And I'm excited because he is still alive. Right? The only one. Amen? Amen. Hmm. Thank, amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you are always here, and thank you that you are alive. Father, we just come into this building this morning, all of us with different things going on, I pray that you'll settle our spirits down so we can focus on you. I pray, Jesus, that your spirit feels welcome here. And Lord, I pray that that you draw us in closer and that we desire to be closer to you this morning. So if you would just help us with distractions, Jesus. Help us just, just set things aside so we can focus on you. I pray you will be the honored guest this morning. And Lord, we love you and we praise you. A week after your resurrection, Lord Jesus, we have so much to be thankful for. You have conquered death. You have conquered it all. We are very thankful for that. So, Lord, we love you. And we just thank you for being here this morning. So have your way. And I pray, Jesus, that we will just follow you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Would you turn to one another and welcome each other? Tell them you're glad that they're here this morning.
1: What a cold hand. Okay, here comes the countdown on greeting each other. Five, four, three, two, one. There you go. That's a great sound and a great part of our service, though. Good to be together, amen? You have in those bright yellow bulletins this morning a connection card. You can uh, take that out. And Kylie, give me that first slide if you would. If uh, any of your information has changed or you want to communicate anything, prayer request on the back, uh, that's what that card is there for. Who knows who's holding the card in that picture? That's me. I'm going to start a new tradition here in the next couple of months. Every Sunday we'll have a different face behind the card and you'll have to guess who it is. They won't all be that easy, I don't think. So there you go. And you can slip those connection cards into the offering plates when they come around. We've got some grandkids to show off. It's been a few weeks. You guys are slacking on me. They're the Hopeman grand dogs and their granddaughter Cassie. And they're all beautiful. So uh, there you go. Send me those pictures. We'll show them off on a Sunday morning. Hey, I want to say thank you for a great uh, Easter last Sunday. Wasn't it a beautiful time here? In fact, Uh, Thanks for that beautiful Maundy Thursday service. Thanks for that good, good Friday service. I think those were new services to WP Naz, and that whole week was just blessed. We had 140 here on Easter Sunday morning. That's the highest attendance since uh, Kelly and I have been here anyway. Boatloads of kiddos, some of whom are back. Did you guys get enough Easter eggs last week? I don't know if you got them all. I think Millie has found a couple in our yard. Man, oh man. Anyway, uh, just a beautiful time uh, together, and we're grateful for uh, not only the message, the reality, the truth of Easter, but just for the time we had together celebrating that last Sunday. Uh, We've been praying for Jim Rumsey and the Colorado District uh, mission team in Serbia, and there's a picture of them eating out at some point that Cindy provided for us, and that's uh, Jim, our own Jim on the left there looking good. It was actually his birthday yesterday, and during the Primetimers uh, event, we got, uh, Cindy got him on the phone. We sang happy birthday to him, got a little update on how things were going. It sounds like they're working hard, long days, getting a lot done, helping those uh, new missionaries to that area of the world. Uh, Ben and Hannah Ponder, two little kids, uh, really pioneering the work in that country. So let's continue to pray for uh, Jim and the team. They'll be back here in uh, Saturday night, so six more days. And uh, really appreciate what they're doing there. So this morning, if you didn't pick up a letter with your name on it or pick up a letter that's just no, nothing on there, then do that. Oh, yeah, I thought you might appreciate a little humor in this whole context of pastoral search and selection. Take a minute for that. Oh, yeah, I can't read that far. We need to get a bigger screen in the back or I need to get better glasses. Oh, there you go. Read that for us, Lori. Or I'll read it. This one looks promising. Limited knowledge of contemporary culture enjoys renovation projects and yard work. <laughs> so I don't know if that fits your description or not, but anyway. That letter uh, will go out Uh, in the mail to everyone we're trying to save the church some postage so if you haven't gotten yours look at that table and you should have one there Uh, that gives you all the details for the candidate weekend which is two weekends from today uh, april 28 to 30 we'll have uh, an opportunity for you to meet the candidate and his spouse uh, that saturday for a little bit of time and then sunday after service during a potluck meal all the details are there And uh, good news, plane tickets have been purchased by this candidate. I think we're actually going to see this one. Yes. And if not, (laughs) I don't know what we're going to do. But what have we been praying all along, these 13 months? Uh, Father, just the right pastor at just the right time. And uh, perhaps... uh, This is just the right pastor at just the right time. Looking forward to that weekend. Keep praying over all that. Check the potluck details there so we have lots of food uh, for that uh, time together on the 30th. Finally, uh, beginning last Sunday, uh, the denomination is calling uh, the United States and Canada to a special time of prayer. Do we still have journals back there? I meant to check. We should, on that little wagon in the lobby. If you did not get a prayer journal, not too late to do that. You can catch up. Uh, Begin Easter. It will go through Pentecost Sunday. And let's be uh, praying along with Nazarenes all across the country and in Canada and really around the world uh, for God to stir us these days and uh, bring us together in a unity in the spirit. We, uh, We need him. Amen. And that's it for a few highlights of what's happening in the life and ministry of your church outside of Sunday morning. I'm going to invite Kelly to come to open the word for us and our kids. Time for you to uh, follow whoever's waving the flag. It's Seth back there today. Love you guys. Have a great time in Kids Church. We'll see you after our service is over.
2: Going to be reading from Luke 24, beginning with verse 13, on the road to Emmaus. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Jesus asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Calapas, asked him, "Are you the only, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do not know the things that have happened there these days? What things, Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they did not find Jesus' body. They came and told us, that they had seen a vision of angels who said Jesus was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said, but Jesus they did not see. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So Jesus went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks. He broke it and he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus and then he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So they got up, and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together, and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way. And how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Thank you, Jesus, for revealing yourself to us through your word. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward now for our morning tithes and offerings. And as you give today, just know that you are giving to the Lord because he has blessed us so much. And go ahead and fill out that connection card and put that in the offering plate as well. Let's pray together and ask God's blessing upon this offering. Father, we just thank you so much for the privilege of being a part of your kingdom and your work. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us so that we can be a blessing to others. Use this, Father, to further your kingdom. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you.
3: drenched in love.
0: Amen. Oh, you guys didn't know you were going to get your cardio this morning, did you? Oh boy, I'll give you a minute to catch your breath, but have you thought about that? Wow, we're drenched, drenched in love. That means we can be wrung out with Jesus' love. Isn't that awesome? I love that. He loves us that much, and he has enough to go around, which is easy love that. While you're catching your breath, and I am too, I'm going to read you this. This is a, a song. We haven't done this for a while, but this verse, I want to read this to you. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence. The roaring lion declared, the grave has no claim on me. Wow. is that amazing? Can you imagine him starting to breathe? Wow. Just a miracle. He is our Savior, and he its just amazing to think about it. You can't even think about it. So you're drenched, and he began to breathe. That's a lot to soak in in one day. I just think it's pretty miraculous.
3: There's no blame on me. Then came the morning that sealed the promise.
2: We praise you because we have the privilege of serving a living God. Jesus, thank you for coming here to earth to die for our sins. Thank you, Jesus, that we do not have to live with the guilt and the conviction of our sins, but we can live free lives because of your death on the cross, Jesus. And Lord, we just are in awe of the incredible power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us, each one of us, Father. And because Jesus was raised from the dead, we can be raised also. We can put our faith in Jesus and have that hope of being raised from the dead. And we thank you and we praise you and we worship you, Jesus. And Lord, we just pray that that power that raised Jesus from the dead will be at work in us and will be at work in your church. Father, we want that power. We want revival. We want to be freed from anything, Lord, that really doesn't matter. But we want to live according to the power of your Holy Spirit. We want to be your church. We want to be your hospital, your lifeboat for those out there that are dying, that don't know you. Lord, we want to be life and and light to them. Lord, give us that power, Father. Open up our hearts to you. Help us to let go of anything, Lord, that we need to let go of so that we can focus on you. Help us, Lord, to be your church, your body. Help us to be pleasing to you, Lord, and help us to be effective in reaching people for you. Lord, we just pray for our community right now. You put us here for a reason. You put us right here on this corner for a reason. And, Lord, there are people all around us that need you. Help us to see them. Help us to love them. Help us to reach out to them, Father. And, Lord, we just pray that you will use us in powerful ways. We want to be effective. We want to be effective in reaching souls for the kingdom. And, Lord, I just pray for anyone here, Lord, that might feel discouraged or their relationship with you is not up to date. They may feel like you are a long ways away. But, Jesus, I pray for them right now. And I pray, Jesus, that you will just reach out to them that you'll just pull them close to you and wrap your arms around them. Help them to know how much you love and cherish them. And, Father, help us to see any sin that's in our lives. Help us to admit that sin to you, to confess it, to turn away from it, to ask for your forgiveness, and to turn toward you, Lord. You are just waiting for that. You just love us so very much. And you want us to be a part of your family forever. And Father, we just uh, pray, um, Lord, for unity here. Lord, we just pray that you will be at work, that you'll just draw us together. Because when we are in on mission, we need to be unified or we will not be effective. So Lord, help us again to die to ourselves and to just seek you and the unity that you want for your church. And, Lord, I do pray for Jim there in Serbia. I pray that you will keep him safe, keep uh, the entire um, team healthy and safe, Lord, as they serve you there. And I pray, Lord, that you will use them in powerful ways. And, Lord, I do lift up this weekend coming up, this uh, candidate weekend. How I pray, Lord, that your spirit will be at work. How I pray, Father, that your church will come out to meet and... uh, to get to know the candidate and just pray, Lord, that you will just show us your will for your church here at WPNAS. Father, we are trusting you. And thank you, Jesus, for this time we can be together. Now I just ask that you open up our hearts and our ears to the word, Lord, as we hear from your um, love letter to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
1: Isn't it good to have something to sing about? Isn't it good to have someone to sing about? Thinking about the uh, message last week, think of all the music that our Lord Jesus has inspired, including the great songs we've lifted up today. If you have your Bibles uh, or open up those apps to Philippians chapter 3, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, chapter 3 couple of big-picture thoughts before the message. Thought one, this is uh, the second Sunday in the Easter season. I got in touch with the uh, traditional Christian calendar, the liturgical calendar, years ago, and I appreciate it. Um, in the liturgical calendar, in the Christian calendar, the new year is Advent. It all begins again in that season of preparation leading up to Christmas. Christmas Day is the beginning of the Christmas season that runs through Epiphany, that day we remember the visit of the Magi to the Holy Family. There are days in that Christian calendar like Trinity Sunday, Ascension Sunday, days that remember Jesus' baptism, the visit of the angel Gabriel to Mary, all the significant events in the life of Jesus. The Lenten season that we've just been through leads up to Easter, including Maundy Thursday and Good Friday. The Easter season runs through Pentecost this year, May 28th, Memorial Day weekend, when we remember the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then after that comes my favorite season and the longest in the Christian calendar. They call it Ordinary Days. Ah, I love that. Until you get back around to Advent. And here's why. I think the uh, the Christian calendar, that liturgical calendar, is good. Three reasons: first, it aligns the rhythm of our lives with the gospel. With the gospel. And holidays become the holy days they were intended to be. Second, because it includes time of preparation for the celebrations of the birth resurrection and death of jesus and i think that's good preparation and then third it provides opportunity to linger in the beautiful and significant times of christmas and easter Uh, in our secular culture once you open the gifts on christmas it's all over but that's just the beginning of the christmas season so anyway I share that because maybe you would get in touch with the liturgical calendar, if nothing else, in your own personal life, and I think there are benefits to that. Second thought, I recently said that the death and resurrection of Jesus are the pivotal events in the history of the human race. Though to complete the picture of God's saving plan, I believe we need to add the ascension and Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. It's only then that the New Testament is fully equipped to move forward in these last days to be the body of Christ in this world. And uh, those are events that we will yet celebrate in the season ahead. Think about the last night Jesus was with his disciples before the cross. He talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. He said, unless I leave the ascension... The Holy Spirit cannot come. I cannot send him to you. Mike McNally in our Friday men's group reminded us that at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, in fact, in the preparatory ministry of John the Baptist, he anticipated the one who would come after him who was greater than he was, who would baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And indeed, Jesus would do that. It happened on Pentecost after his ascension to the right hand of the Father. And you'll hear more about the Holy Spirit in the weeks to come, Lord willing. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit that allows Christ to live in us and allows us to be in Christ. My message title this morning and these kind of bigger thoughts might better introduce my preaching in the next couple of months, but certainly touches today's message as well. The beautiful revealed mystery of the gospel, Christ in me, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, Philippians 3. I want to walk down through uh, the first 14 verses of this uh, letter of the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. Philippians 3 at verse 1, the first part of that. Paul writes, finally, or further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Okay, Honest Engine, anybody come today not feeling like rejoicing? That happens for me every once in a while. Rejoice is the verb form of joy and an imperative and a choice that we make. We are to rejoice in the Lord, and this is what I believe. If our thoughts and our eyes are fixed on Jesus, we will be able to see beyond our experience experience beyond our circumstances and find reason to rejoice even if it's a quiet determined rejoicing that doesn't mean we don't grieve at times but in the words of the apostle Paul in another of his letters we don't grieve like men without hope we have friends back home colleagues uh, a pastor couple they and in Julie Taylor who this past week lost their 36-year-old son, complications of COVID. And they will have a service for him on the 28th, that Friday night of Your Candidate Weekend. And I can guarantee you they will be grieving. They're grieving today. I can't imagine that. That is the worst thing I can imagine happening in this life is to lose one of my kids. But they will grieve with hope. They're strong in the faith. They will find reason to rejoice. For one thing, their son was a believer, and he's with Jesus today. Paul put his own instruction into practice when he and Silas sang hymns at midnight from a prison cell. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord. Second half of verse 1, It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. He wasn't about to share anything with them that he hadn't already shared with the Philippian church. Preachers, teachers, parents, anyone who opens the word, ours is primarily a ministry of reminder, or at least often it is. I may not say anything new today, but you need to hear it. Parents, how often did we have to say to our kids, Did you wash your hands with soap? Let me smell them. Did you brush your teeth? Did you put your sunscreen on? Oh, no, wait a minute. That wasn't my parents asking me that. That was Kelly that asked me that all the time. C.S. Lewis. i got to have a C.S. Lewis quote every week. He said, We have to be continually reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief nor any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed, and as a matter of fact, if you examined a hundred people who had lost their faith, I wonder how many of them would turn out to have been reasoned out of it by honest argument. Do not most people simply drift off. So Paul is saying again what he's said before, and perhaps it includes verse 2. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, Those mutilators of the flesh. Oh, come on, Paul. Tell us how you're really feeling about these folks. Those dogs. Paul's not mincing any words here. He's talking about those we've come to know as Judaizers. Who are essentially telling folks, hey, it's okay to believe in Jesus. We believe he's the Messiah. But you've got to keep keeping the law in order to be counted righteous. Including being circumcised. And in essence, these Judaizers were missing the radical gospel message of saved by grace and diminishing, if not dismissing, what Christ had done on the cross. And that ticked Paul off. Are those folks still around? Hmm. There are certainly folks around who keep the rules but lack a genuine experience of grace and who aren't a very good means of grace to others who consciously or unconsciously believe they're earning their right standing with God and expect others to do the same. The term legalism comes to mind. Let's keep God's commands but let's not be one of those people, amen? The law was a schoolmaster in Paul's words who brought us to Christ and after Christ was no longer the means by which we were declared righteous. In Christ, our hearts are now circumcised. And all the law and the prophets are fulfilled as we keep the two great commands to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself. Verse 3. For it is we who are the circumcision, Paul says, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. There's an interesting word from Paul Paul said if we were still being declared righteous by the law I've got plenty of reasons to be confident and he lists those middle of verse 4 if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel Of the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. You go, Paul. I suppose we might have our list, too. I give to the church. I even tithe. I even give offerings above the tithe. I'm here most every Sunday. Back when they were given these out, I had a Sunday school pin on my lapel. I even work in the nursery, and I don't do drugs. Paul had as much to brag about as the next person, but. And here we come to what I consider the heart of this letter, Paul's testimony. I trust it's ours as well. Here's what he says. No slide, please. Ms. Kylie. I just want us to hear it. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of just knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that is from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death so that somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained all this or have already been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ Jesus has called me heavenward for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That is the word of the Lord, Paul's testimony. Is it yours? Is it mine? Those have long been so powerful words for me, and I'm still aspiring to live those out. Go back up to verse 7. Let's walk through that. Paul says, but whatever were gains to me or whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul's world, Paul's values were flipped right side up when he came to know Christ. Losing for the sake of Christ. What did Jesus say? Anyone who finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Here's the question I'm asking myself again today, asking you. What are we willing to give up for the sake of Christ, for the sake of his cause, for the sake of the mission and the purpose that he's given us, for the sake of his church, for the sake of the people that you're sitting around today, for the sake of others? That all comes with Christ, you know. What are we willing to give up? What are we willing to lose? What had Paul given up? What had Paul lost? Everything, really, verse 8 into verse 9, he considered everything a loss. All that had been in the win column, all his accomplishments, his status, the standing he enjoyed, his future with the company. All that he had profited from were now in the loss column compared to the surpassing greatness of simply knowing Jesus. Jesus. He freely surrendered all things and considered them a pile of trash in order to be in a relationship with Jesus. At the heart-stirring center of this testimony of Paul is his desire to know Christ. He'll repeat that desire in verse 10. I want to know Christ. Remember that when the scriptures talk about knowing someone, it's not just facts and figures. It's an intimate, experiential knowledge of a person. For me, it's the difference between hearing about a good-looking, young, female student that just arrived at the seminary And sitting down with her in a library and having a conversation and marrying her and the wedding night and 37 years of sharing life. That's the difference between just facts and figures reading a book about Jesus and knowing him. Just in case you didn't catch that I was talking about Kelly. Okay. Didn't want to get myself in trouble anywhere. And when you think about uh, the Apostle Paul's story, that's really how it began for him. Formerly Saul, on his way to Damascus, giving him permission to arrest followers of the way in that town. And on his way, he got knocked off his high ho- horse in a, a blinded vision of the risen Christ. And he's wondering, what in the world just happened to me? And, and who is this that's, that's speaking to me? And, and he says, I'm Jesus whom you're, you're persecuting. He's blinded and is taken by the hand into the city of Damascus and, and is there alone in prayer for three days. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. I'm guessing Paul got some intimate alone time with Jesus during those three days. On our way here a year ago, we stopped in Brookville, Pennsylvania to see our kids and to dedicate this little girl You thought I wasn't going to do it. Oh, that's Easter. She's so beautiful. Okay, bye, Emmy. Get that slide out of here. But I borrowed a little book from my son-in-law by Henry Nowen uh, called In the Name of Jesus. And Nowen reminds us that an intimate, experiential love relationship with Jesus must be at the heart of our faith. In his 50s, he said, and I quote him, he came face to face with the simple question, did becoming older bring me closer to Jesus? After 25 years of priesthood, I found myself praying poorly, living somewhat isolated from other people, and very much preoccupied with, quote, burning issues. Everyone was saying that I was doing really well, but something inside was telling me that my, quote, success was putting my soul in danger. Nowen's book is written to Christian leaders, but what he says is applicable to all of us. In fact, we're all leaders in some facet of our life. We ought to realize that. But this is what he says. Leaders must be rooted in the permanent intimate relationship with the incarnate word Jesus and they need to find there the source for their words advice and guidance and I would add behavior and responses (laughs) there are a lot of issues to face these days maybe there always have been I don't know it seems to be getting more complicated as we go a lot of decisions to make and difficult situations to sort out in life, where you work, in your families, in your communities. Right here in our church, we've had some things to work through, still do, always will, right? I want you to see and hear what now and writes. When we are securely rooted in personal intimacy with the source of life, that's a Jesus. It will be possible to remain flexible without being relativistic, convinced without being rigid, willing to confront without being offensive, gentle and forgiving without being soft, and true witnesses without being manipulative. Comparable to what I have striven, is that a word, (laughs) striven? To be and to do through the years, and that is to know what I believe, and to face off with uh, with evil and wrong, but to do it with the spirit of Christ. Does that make sense? And when you're connected with Him, even the toughest conversations can be redemptive. To know Christ. Intimately and experientially. I want that to be my one deep supreme desire. I want to be like those disciples on that Emmaus Road. That's my favorite post-resurrection story in the Gospels. Who, after they recognized Jesus, look back on that, uh, that journey and, and, and realize, did not our hearts burn within us as he walked with us along the road and opened the Scriptures to us? I want that to be my experience. I want to gain Christ. Contrast that in Paul's testimony with verse 7, and what was to my prophet. Now Christ was his prophet. Gaining Christ is a lifelong pursuit, begun when we give our hearts to him and only complete when we stand in his presence one one day. Until then, we can be found in him, meaning to be found in a close personal union with Christ crucified and risen, and in the Apostle Peter's uh, words, growing in the grace and intimate knowledge of Christ. Verse 9, being found in Christ includes having a righteousness that is not of my own doing. That's what those dogs, the Judaizers, were holding on to and trying to require the Philippians. Rather, a righteousness by faith that is a gift from God. Righteousness in the scriptures is always, first of all, a right relationship with God. And then from that, right living flows. That right relationship is made possible by Christ's death on the cross. Right living flows from that right reconciled relationship with God. And we've got to keep those two things together. Saved by grace. But that grace is not without effect. It will affect us. Verse 10, knowing Christ means knowing, experiencing the power of the resurrection. The resurrection was not just an historical event that happened 2,000 years ago. It was that. We can date it. We can place it. In a very real sense, it is a current reality for those of us who believe for those of us who are in Christ. Listen to Paul's prayer in his Ephesian letter, Ephesians 1. It's my prayer for for myself today and for you. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Man, that's crazy. The power that God exerted in raising Christ from the dead is available to me. Romans chapter 6, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I can change. I can get better. I can overcome. Just so I know you're with me today. If you believe that, say a good, loud amen. Oh, yeah. How does all that work? I'm 53 years into following Jesus, and I'm still asking those kinds of questions. Somehow that's Christ in us. That's a mystery, too. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that allows Christ to live in us somehow. It's literally His power, the difference He makes in us, allowing change and growth and doing things and being someone we could not be on our own. That starts at that moment of saving faith. That's the caterpillar into the butterfly deal. That's the seed stuffed down into the ground, Brian Elses, soon-to-be master gardener. A little bit of nothing and dirt and a little water and sunshine, and you got a tomato plant or a sunflower or whatever. I mean, it's just crazy. And then living in that power, I like to uh, make the comparison between sawing a log with a buck saw. You know what one of those are? Or a chainsaw. Bucksaw is my own strength, my own wisdom. Uh, chainsaw is the power of the Holy Spirit. Did I ever tell you about the time that I actually fired up a chainsaw in the sanctuary back home? Big mistake. It was effective illustration, but that plume of smoke that lingered over the congregation. Still have a pregnant lady at the time Tell me about that. I had to leave, Pastor. Wasn't thinking that through. When you think about living in the power of the resurrection, you—I don't know about you—but I get certain images when I think of power. Like right now, this is my mind's active this morning. I'm thinking of the old uh, um, Looney Tunes. Was it Looney Tunes anyway? Wiley Coyote and the Road Runner, and and I'm 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 watching Wiley Coyote string out a big, you know, TNT, blow up the Road Runner. You know, that's what I think of when I think of power. It's like. It's like dramatic. It's like, ah. Uh. But it isn't always that way. Like, take the resurrection. The earth shook for sure, but I love the song we sang today. I think it was a quiet coming back to life. It was like, it began to breathe. And he didn't come storming out of, the, out of the grave, kicking the stone away rose, folded, stepped out. And I think that's the way the power of the Holy Spirit is often. It, it's, it's plugging into the outlet, a fan coming on, or a light. Being in Christ means sharing in His suffering. Becoming like him in his death. Back to Romans chapter 6. That begins with dying to sin and and our self, our self-centeredness, our our self-rule. Paul writes, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That's where becoming like him and his death begins, and then it characterizes the life that we live. Jesus suffered and died for us. Jesus put himself second and others first, served others. We are called to do the same. And in doing that, share in the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, Paul knew what that meant. Shipwrecked, stoned, sleepless nights, went days without food. Sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death is indeed the path to life. No resurrection without a death, no empty tomb without a cross. The death and resurrection rhythm of Jesus is our rhythm in our own lives. And in walking in the feet of Jesus and taking that path, our certain hope is that, verse 11, somehow we will attain to the resurrection from the dead. That's the reality of Easter. Just as Christ was raised, we will be raised. Jesus, our brother, was the first of many to come. Verse 12. In regards to all that, Paul said he hadn't arrived. We should really pay attention to that, especially those of us that are too hard on ourselves too often. We're talking the Apostle Paul here. We're talking the greatest missionary probably the church ever had. We're talking about 30 years into his ministry and three missionary journeys. And he's saying, I still haven't arrived. He was still a work in progress, still growing, still taking hold of that for which Christ Jesus had taken hold of him. I love that picture. Jesus taking hold of us. I thought of Simon of Cyrene who was... Coming into Jerusalem that day Jesus was crucified, pressed into service. Somebody took him by the shoulders and said, Sir, we need you to carry the cross of this man. Think of that Rams player we looked at uh, last week who left $12.5 million on the table to go farm, to help people that needed food. He's taken hold of you. You believe that? I'm tempted to come down and grab one of you by the shoulders, but I don't want to freak you out. Everybody's not making eye contact with me now. Look at that. Oh, please. But he has. He's taken hold of you. My phone is ringing right now. I should have shut that off. Who is it? Mm, Red cross. Oops. I just answered it by mistake. Sorry. One of the reasons we never quite arrive is that every new phase of life brings new challenges. Amen? (laughs) And the world's always changing. And if we don't have a vibrant, vital, growing faith keeping pace with those challenges and changes, then we're not going to be all and do all that God has for us. Paul hadn't arrived, and so he says, I press on, verse 13. I press on. I keep this picture of our youngest daughter back in her cross-country days in the back of my Bible. Next slide there. She was a great runner. And I think of it whenever I read a verse like this, or Hebrews 12, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run with perseverance, the race marked out for you. Is this characterizing your Christian life these days are you pressing on or do you look like one of these guys maybe? I'm telling you what now there's a lot of those guys in the church these days ours must be a persevering faith a pressing on faith pressing on to what pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of us Do you know why he took hold of you? Do you know his purpose for you and how that plays out uniquely in your life? Do you know that? And are you living that? Pressing on to what is ahead. Forget what's behind. Forget the former things. God said through Isaiah the prophet, he wants to do a new thing in you, in this church, in these days. Pressing on to the goal. There is one. Pressing on to win the prize. There's one of those two. The direction of our pressing on is heavenward. The goal is there. The prize is there. And most importantly, Jesus is there. I'm winding down. God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's Christ in us that's the hope of glory. We've come full circle in the message today. Look back through this passage in Paul's testimony. He wants to know Christ. He wants to gain Christ. He wants to be found in Christ. He wants to know the power of Christ's resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in Christ's suffering, becoming like Christ in his death. He recognizes the heavenward call of God in Christ Jesus. Do you notice a common denominator in all of that? It's Jesus. And I'll repeat the Lenten season Challenge. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Open the Gospels and the New Testament letters and the Revelation and allow God's Word to help you get to know Jesus more. Remember, Jesus is the head of the church. It's His body. Keep Him at the living center of your faith. Amen? Knowing Christ, that intimate experiential relationship with Him, is at the center of our faith. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. I'm going to close with a song, then Kelly will send us on her way. You've been patient to listen. The Easter season rightly ends on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes and completes the work of Christ. I like to think that when the Spirit came on those uh, waiting, waiting, praying believers on the day of Pentecost, it was as if Jesus were right there with them again. Filling those believers so that Christ could dwell in their hearts by faith. And that's our reality as well. There's a song that goes way back to 1977, written by Melody Green, wife of the late Keith Green. Some of you may have known him. A singer-songwriter died in a tragic accident, uh, but I ask Lori to bring this back because it gives voice to our gratefulness for Jesus and for his sending his Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Spirit, Brother Mike. As we sing this song, let's open our hearts to Father, Son, and Spirit. Let's pray that he'd renew us in these days. Let's pray again in this season of Easter that we'd be filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit of Christ, that Christ in us would be the hope of glory, not just one day when this life is over, but today, for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together.
2: to leave with you this morning is what are you willing to give up for the sake of Christ? My sin? My way? My grudge I want to hold? My unbelief? My comfort? What is it are you willing to give up for the sake of Christ. Living for Jesus involves sacrifice, doesn't it? It involves dying to self. But who set the example? Jesus Christ himself set that example. And the Holy Spirit is at work helping us to do what he calls us to do. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for that. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so very much for this time we've had together today. And I thank you, Father, for the spirit that has been active and alive here this morning. And now as we go out to serve you in our homes, in our workplaces, in schools, wherever we go, Lord, we are your servants. We are your ambassadors. And Lord, I just pray, Father, that you will just continue to work in our hearts and in our lives as we serve you. And Father, help us, Lord, to identify anything, Lord, that we might need to give up, to surrender for you, Jesus. Lord, go with us now and just fill us with your spirit and use us today and all week long. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen or Dismiss.